the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome into another midweek edition of the Spot Track Podcast. We are off and running. Brandon Kravitz here, along with the money man himself, Mike Gennetti. Mike, a happy new year to you and to all the listeners out there in uh, the streaming world. It's good to be back. Yeah, good to be back. Same to you. We'll uh, we'll be friends for about seventy two hours, and then Sunday night it becomes. Mike versus Brandon when the Bills uh, come to Miami and play an absolute all or nothing game. It's pretty wild how this all set up for us. Yeah, you and I have a big time showdown this weekend. Bills, Dolphins for the division. Where's the confidence level for you guys up there? Because I've got none. I would love to talk trash (laughs) with you, but I have no confidence the Dolphins are actually going to win this football game. I think the collective city here would feel a hell of a lot better if Josh Allen didn't get blown up in the last play of the game. And that shoulder looks like there's something going on with it, even though everybody's kind of saying, eh, no big deal. They're not saying it's great. Let's put it that way. So I I have a feeling that it's going to be a lot of James Cook and uh, a lot of, you know, maybe some mobility out of Miami that Mostert hasn't been able to bring, you know, provide for them. It might be a pretty boring offensive game is where I'm going with this. And that might be just fine because a, a December, a January slog fest is kind of what the NFL orders up these yeah. times of year. So it's a tough one to figure out. The Dolphins have been a really good team at home, but man, they're banged up. I don't know how many more injuries you can sustain. Jalen Waddles yeah. hurt Bradley Chubb out for the year. Jalen Phillips already done for the year. It's just yeah. how much can you overcome? The bills have all the momentum in the world, but. We will table that and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll re- recap next Thursday when we record, see who came out on top. A quarterback that is 99% done with his current team. I'll leave the 1% out there. You can shut that down if you want to. That Russell Wilson finds a way back with Denver. But uh, he was sat on the bench to preserve an injury clause in his contract. I think you have a really unique perspective on this. So I want to mm-hmm. start there. Share with the audience the way that you view what Denver did with Russell Wilson here. Yeah. Th- this time of year, y- you know, and, and honestly, a couple of weeks prior to generally speaking, we see this happen. This is regular. This, well, in this case, I think it was because of, you know, the, the three month buildup to it, but we saw this with Derek Carr last year with the Raiders and there was a lot of hoopla and everybody hated it. And it's just good business to do what Denver's doing here, which is, there's a, an injury guaranteed two years out. This is not the quarterback of the interim future here. It's not. And, and I don't think anybody can complain with that. So we have to protect our finances a little bit here and, and understand what's going to happen because we don't want to pay $37 million to Russell Wilson in 2025. And that's what happened here. This is simply on October 29th. And I, I think everybody's been pretty public about this on October 29th after a win in Kansas City. They approached him and say, look, man, we want you to be here this year. We want you to be here next year. We don't know what 2025 is going to be for anybody. You're going to be 37. I don't know where this team's going to be. We don't want to have your salary on the books if we don't have to. So we want to push this thing away and restructure it to make it work for the franchise. Russell Wilson said no. He's He has every right to say no. The NFLPA is thrilled that he said no. Yeah. And... and it got contentious because you know there was a back and forth, of course, and it led to this. It led to he wouldn't play ball, so now we have to do this to preserve 2025, and it means he's not going to be here in 2024 either. And your 99% can become 101, in my opinion. To me, the 99%, Brandon, is, is Russell Wilson 99% done as a starting quarterback? 
because I'm not sure. And I realize at 1.5 million, you know, which is probably what he's going to sign for next year based on this offset. Somebody's going to take a chance on him. There's no question about that. Is he good enough to win a, a week one starting job? I'm not sure that that answer can be given right now because there are so much young talent coming in. Most of the teams that are going to be in on Russell Wilson are going to draft a quarterback in May. And that quarterback may come in to, to mini camp and spring training and blow him out of the water, right? So uh, there's a world where he doesn't start another game, a, a meaningful game in the NFL ever again. And I don't think anybody can really turn an eye at that. Well, I, I, I can't believe such things when I'm watching Joe Flacco lock up a five seed. So I'm going to yeah. hit pause on that one. But he is, I mean, here's the thing. I, I sold my stock like everybody else on Russell Wilson based on what we've seen the last two years. He was actually all right this year. I don't think he was oh, yeah. what Sean Payton wanted. And I also think Sean Payton entered that situation with a perception of Russell Wilson that I'm not saying it was inaccurate, but I think he already stepped in going, I got to remove the diva from this locker room. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he was ever able to move off of that. The relationship he, I never saw him talk to Drew Brees the way that he spoke to Russell Wilson on the sidelines. Yeah. Sean Payton is going to be the diva in Denver. And that may be on the bubble right now because he has aspirations to be a bigger face than he is. You know, I'm not going to name names. He's going to be gone by March 13th. And same goes for the quarterback position. Nobody's safe right now in a Sean Payton run system. And by the way, that's what this is. This is not head coach Sean Payton. This is Denver Broncos general manager of operations and sideline operations, Sean Payton. He is running everything there right now. And this is just exhibit A, B, and C. And, and it's going to be $85 million of dead cap for Sean Payton to pull this trigger. And he's going to do it. Do you think this has any negative impact on the Denver Broncos moving forward in terms of the way they're perceived by free agents around the league or agents for that matter and the way that they deal with this Broncos franchise? Yes and no. I, th I think there's there's a stigma attached to Russell Wilson specifically. Obviously, it was ugly leaving Seattle. Pete Carroll got pretty out, out in front of this and he looks pretty pretty intelligent now, right? Hindsight is 2020, but I feel like Everybody knew what was happening as Russell Wilson was walking out of Seattle. I think the same thing is happening in Denver. And we, you know, as we mentioned, Sean Payton's going to run the show. He's the general there. He does not want anybody else dictating how things go. And I think, I think Russell can be kind of that alpha guy. So free agent X looking for a team, you know, Denver needs a, a, an edge rusher this offseason. There's going to be a bunch of those available. I don't think. What has happened here with Russell Wilson is going to stop an agent from approaching Sean Payton and saying, hey, we want $15 million from you guys to become the starting edge rusher. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, what it does say to me, and maybe this is a good thing, maybe this is a bad thing, is Denver's going to be aggressive, um, positively and negatively. Maybe more aggressive than any team we've ever seen in football. This is, this is going to be an unprecedented move March 13th when Russell Wilson is designated a post-June 1st release, and that's what's going to happen. So I, I think that's a good thing. It's a bit of a gunslinger approach. Agents love that because they feel like they can talk a guy into anything at that point in time. And it's not like Russ isn't going to make the money. He's making $124 million in his tenure in Denver. So it's not like he didn't walk away with money. But there's 37 million not being made because of this move. That, that that's 37 million that, from a practical standpoint, Spotrac says he should be making that he's not going to make. Agents are for sure going to take a look at that because it means that now owners in this league are rich enough 
to where practical guarantees may not be practical anymore because they are not afraid to buy themselves out of an extra season that that a player probably should be paid. That's that's something to keep keep an eye on here, right? Mm. Because the David Teppers of the world who are paying five hundred million dollars to ex coaches, you know, over the past ten years or so, they're not afraid to, to to make these kind of moves, and it may negatively impact major contracts in the NFL. So that's the side of it I see as an eye raiser. But I don't think Denver has a negative connotation to them right now because of this move. If anything, they are going all in on the right now. And Russell Wilson not being there possibly improves that, although we don't really know who the quarterback's going to be. So, Do you think you, you said that you think he'll sign a contract for about 1.5 next year? Maybe he becomes a starter. Maybe he doesn't. Do you think his ego would allow him to sign a contract that small? I mean, he doesn't need the money, but you know, money at, at this stage in the game, money is a status symbol more than it is a necessity. Well, let's put it this way. I'm going to guess he's not super thrilled with Denver right now, right? All things considered and all things being said out loud. The less he takes on his new team, the more Denver has to pay. And that's going to that's going to be pretty pretty powerful for there Russell Wilson walking into a room. So, so here's how it goes. He's going to walk in and say, all right, my minimum salary is 1.21 million for 2024. It, there's probably three or four teams in on him. So, it, you know, maybe that trickles up a little bit into two, two and a half million so that somebody can win that bidding war. And then there's a boatload of not likely to be earned incentives, right? If we make the playoffs, if you rush for 500 yards, all the, all the bells and whistles. So, at some point in time, he can build those in and earn 10 to 15 million from a new team. But out of the gate, it's going to be bare bones so that Denver has to pay as much of that $39 million salary as humanly possible because that's how he can grind their axe a little bit here. Is there a true case of legal action that we could see stem from this benching? I saw this. This was a story more so back in November um, or, or, or something that would, that would stem from back in November when they originally went to Russell Wilson. Uh, Sean Payton is hiding behind the guise of, well, this is for poor play, but is this actually a violation of CBA rules? I, I think there's a case that the NFLPA can at least look at, but this is a, this is a team decision. He didn't do anything conduct wise, you know, so there's nothing going down that approach. All he did is say no to a contract restructure, which is completely within his rights, if not something that he should be saying no to. I don't think the team did anything wrong here. Um, They are allowed to play whoever they choose to play. They are allowed to activate whoever they need to activate. There's no load management rules in the NFL, though. Looking at the projected quarterbacks for for week 18 here, Brandon, I, I have to tell you, that came into my mind. Should should something be done, right, with these benching? Should these guys not make their salary this week if this is where we go? I don't know. I feel like this is coming because everything from the NBA eventually trickles into the NFL. Um, but there's no rules against sitting a guy for any reason. So, I, you know, it's funny that this didn't come, at, come up at all with Derek Carr last year, right? Not, not even an, an inch. And it won't come up with Daniel Jones next year when the Giants do this to preserve the 2025 injury guarantee on his contract. But with Russell Wilson, one of the most polarizing players in all sports, it's the first thing that comes out of lawyer's mouth. So I think they'll probably walk down that rabbit hole a little bit. I don't think they'll get very far, though. Uh, is there is there anything else? Well, I don't want to cut this off too short in terms of the Russell Wilson side. Is there, is there any other minutia that you've looked at here that you find fascinating? Or does that basically Cliff's Notes version cover 
the the Wilson contract situation. I, I just I want to say this out loud because yeah. these, these are the three numbers that matter, and we're a contract site. Russell Wilson's going to make thirty-seven million dollars next year, you know, around there from the Denver Broncos. That's cash. Excuse me, thirty-nine million dollars. I'm getting two things mixed up. Thirty-nine million dollars cash to walk out the door March thirteenth or sixteenth. The dead cap hit for Denver after June second, right? So from March thirteenth until June first, Denver will carry his thirty-five point four million dollar cap hit. They will then take that on as dead cap for all of 2024, 35.4 million. That's top five all time. In 2025, the dead cap hit is going to be 49.6 million. That will be number one all time unless something crazy happens over the next you know 12 to 18 months here with another release. But that will be the largest single season dead cap hit in the history of football in 2025 when Russell Wilson may be retired, right? He may, he may, he may be out the door completely at that point in time. So those are the numbers. That's what Denver is doing here. It's absolutely historic. The, the cash payout, the overall dead cap, and then the, the 2025 dead cap hit itself are all absolutely historic numbers. And it's going to happen. I know you got it at 99%. I'm at 101. It's going to happen. And, uh, and Denver is going to eat this. And it's, and it's going to impact the way they do business. It's going gonna, it's gonna to directly impact the way you know, that they are able to operate. You may see significant pieces have to fall off this roster, if not this March, definitely next March because of this move specifically. Just wait till Cleveland says, hold my beard, Denver. I know. We I know. <laughs> is that is that what's coming? Right? Joe Flacco bounces the guaranteed contract? No, it's not coming yet. But that would be the that would be the new record breaker. Do yeah. you happen to know off the top of your head, you said that he would be number one ever. Who who right now? It's Rogers. Yeah, it's Rogers right now. Rogers with Green Bay. Green Bay. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So he's at forty point three million right now on the twenty twenty three books. And before that, it was Matt Ryan leaving Atlanta. So it's been quarterbacks, which you can imagine. These contracts are only getting bigger and bigger, and these numbers are only going to increase because of it. However, but I'll finish on this with this segment. I give Denver a hell of a lot of credit here. I know they're getting crushed for you know asking him to restructure and all the things that came out and kind of torpedoing their season because they did this after you know in a stretch where Denver looked good and and I feel like they felt like they had the carte blanche to go in there and do this with Russell Wilson. This is a ballsy move. This is a big boy move. All right, this is a Walmart money move. Is what this is, <laughs> and and from a salary cap standpoint, that's the difference between this league and every other league we talk about. We see this in baseball all the time. You know, guy falls off the platform, he gets old, he can't hit anymore, whatever. We're just going to pay the money because that's what we do in baseball. Baseball is a luxury tax system, right? Basketball is a soft cap luxury tax system. You can bounce around money as much as possible in those leagues. In this league, every dollar is a salary cap dollar. And you can push it down the road. You can sit New Orleans Saints the hell out of your team as much as you want. Denver's not doing that. They are front loading this move to take this on and saying, this isn't our quarterback. We're getting out of this right now because we have to fix this position immediately. And it may bite him in the ass, but but credit to them for taking this huge swing because it's a monster. I genuinely appreciate your perspective on this because I am not hearing that from anybody right. else. So um, th that's why that's why you come to this podcast. Dalvin Cook has been released by the New York Jets and could be claimed by 4 p.m. today. So. Uh, who knows? He could be on a team by the time you're listening to this. But your best guess, I assume, would be that he clears waivers and then is able to sign wherever he chooses. Or is the dollar amount digestible enough for uh, him to actually be claimed by the middle of today? 
It's not. Um, and in fact, here's here's why we know it's not. This was a, a really stealthy tweet by Adam Schefter. I haven't seen it anywhere else. And Schefter is getting it directly from the agent. So I know this thing's out there. Um, before he was waived, he agreed to forfeit the remaining guarantees on his contract, which is one week. It's not a lot. It's $408,000. All right. So it's 60000 of base salary and then you know, 350000 or so of per game active bonus, which was guaranteed because he, he, he would have been active on the roster. So he, he waived that money as part of the waiver claim, knowing that he wasn't going to pick up, knowing that he was going to have to start over fresh. And to, to answer your question, I, I think Miami's the team, Brandon. <laughs> all right. I mean, Mostert's banged up. I, Miami was all in on him to start the season. And then the Jets threw that ridiculous salary at him to, to win him, to win him out. I think this is where it's going to end up. And I, and I think it makes perfect sense for their stretch run here. If Mostert is out an extended length of time, yeah. absolutely. Um, but here's the thing is I thought about that yesterday too. Uh, but is I'm not sure that he's actually better than Jeff Wilson right now. Who'd be the other guy that you'd lean on. And Devon Achan is going to be the number one. There's no a big gap do. in offensive lines. All right. I know it, it's fun as hell to rank on the jets because uh, it's just kind of what everybody does. That offensive line is bad. I mean, bad, bad. If Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to get hurt and snap five, he was going to get hurt at some point this season because of that offensive line. Let's just put it that way. So, hey, Brees Hall's making it work, you know? He, yeah, he is. And he's five years younger and a lot more yeah. explosive right now. But you want to put him in the Mostert role? Yeah. I think he flourishes in that role right now as, as 31-year-old Raheem Mostert has done. Uh, one more thing. You're a big fantasy guy. You have a lot of discussions. It would be illegal in the fantasy world for a bottom feeder team to wave a star player and let a contender pick him up for their stretch run. Right. Yes, That's just that how would fantasy cause works. fantasy up. That would cause fantasy uproar. It, Actually there, had it happen in the, in, in reverse in in one league that I'm in where oh. a team that was so loaded up had to drop a star to make room oh. for an injured quarterback situation. And then a bottom feeder picked them up. It's, 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 it's I'm fine mess. with that. I'm but what I'm saying that. is that, that that, which doesn't even really impact competitive balance, still caused an uproar. You do that in reverse. Forget it. Okay. You so you have to break up the league. You're a, you're a big fantasy guy. You're a big NBA guy. The NBA has a cutoff date for players that are acquired via whatever, buyout, whatever, put on a roster to be eligible for the postseason. Should this be possible? Should Delvin Cook be eligible, let's just say, to play with the Miami Dolphins in the postseason? You know, it almost feels like is what we just saw with all of these bowl game opt outs in college football, because I've, th- I've had that thought with college that if if you're going to allow transfers and, and guys are opting out of bowl games, what what would why are we stopping a star quarterback from just going sign with somebody who's playing in the college football playoff? I'm near Florida State. State. <laughs> Florida State would be yeah. Hey, why are you going to leave us out of the college football playoff? We'll just go get a quarterback from Oregon State and we'll be fine. So um, yeah, but wow. yes, I think that prop that that probably should not be allowed. Right. Uh, but we see it so infrequently that it's really not that problematic. And right. are we sure that Dalvin Cook is going to make that big of an impact wherever he goes? No, no. and. The, the, the problem here is that the Jets did this, right? It's not that the league allows it. It's that you, the Jets did this. Most teams would not do this. You just ride right. the team out and go from there. But I, I just thought it's interesting that, every, again, we're, we're NBA versus NFL here. The NBA had to put this in because teams are taking advantage of it for a long, long time. Yes. Um, and it, it has even the playing field a little bit. We've seen some playing teams now kind of make a run. 
But I, I just think that that's the first thing I thought of was, man, you know, this would never be allowed in any other yeah. channel that, 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 that we follow. And yet here we are at the NFL and Delvin Cook may have six touchdowns for the Dolphins in their stretch run. That's pretty wild. <laughs> I had Dolphins, Cowboys, Ravens as my three most sure. likely landing spots. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I, I in, in no particular order, though, all three of those teams make uh, make complete sense to me. Okay, let's jump to the NBA for a moment then. OG Ananobi dealt from the Raptors to the Knicks in a deal that includes potential six-man of the year, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett returning to Canada, and a really solid second-round pick. That second-round pick comes from Detroit, so it's like a de facto first-round pick. So I, I thought, in my opinion, I thought the... Uh, the Knicks gave up way too much, but if OG and Anobi hits and clicks with this team, um, then it's all good. Do you like the move from both sides? I, I didn't initially. Uh, I thought the Knicks gave up too much. I, I thought they could have waited and and kind of let this trade deadline get a little bit closer and, and go from there. It, it's very, very obvious to me that Thibodeau and the Knicks wanted this player specifically and that the closer this thing got to the deadline, there were going to be 15 teams in on Ananobi. Finally, after two and a half years of spitballing and hot, you know, hot stoving Ananobi out of Toronto, it's finally happening. It, this is about defense more than anything. The Knicks aren't done. There's another move to be made here, I think, to put a, a guard next to Jalen Brunson for their stretch run. But this was about fixing their defense. And by the way, I have seen both Knicks games with Ananobi. This team looks pretty damn good. So, you know, they beat Minnesota and they beat up the Bulls last night after kind of faltering in the first half. And, and oh, by the way, Toronto looks pretty good, too, because they've got now gotten deeper. They've got themselves a guard that kind of resembles Fred Van Fleet a little bit and quickly. And RJ Barrett's a Canadian guy who kind of is going home here and, and could make a, a really nice comeback to a career that's faltered a little bit through his rookie contract. So it does make sense for both sides if you believe that Toronto shouldn't be ripping the Band-Aid off completely. But for the Knicks, it certainly looks good right now. And uh, this could have super big impact for them in the postseason. Yeah, I, I I like it for both sides, but it does feel like Toronto won the deal if you yeah. were to grade it. But, you know, all that stuff, that's just for us to banter about. I do want to get your thoughts on this. The conspiracy theory that's out there about the age of the, the power agency CAA. Leon Rose left his job as the president of this agency. He became the Knicks president of basketball operations. He then hired Tom Thibodeau, who's represented by CAA. Yep. They then brought in Jalen Brunson, who's represented by Illegally. CAA. And, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and you'll never guess who represents OG Ananobi. CAA. So I've got two, just the way got the world in words. the NBA. Yeah, I've got two words for you that, that end this conversation. Clutch sports. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> if you think that this is not how the world works in this league, you have not been paying attention, okay? CAA is kind of just finally catching up to, to everybody else. They are the big dog, all right? They are the they are the big dog in pretty much every sport, and by the way, in most of Hollywood too, right? Like they they do everything right now, so they are simply just catching up to the fact that they can put some plants in some of these teams and make it work to their benefit when it comes time for deadlines and off season moves and things like that. Buyout players. That's going to, you're going to see it again in a couple of weeks here when buyout players and are waived. Um, yes, this is how the NBA operates. It's uh it's one hand feeding the other hand. 
But at the same time, you know, there, there's some basketball sense here too. One more note on this Ananobian move because it's contractually speaking and, and Keith Smith did a really good job of breaking this down on spotrite.com. The, the timing of this isn't just the Knicks getting ahead of every other team who wanted Ananobi. It was very important that they got this done by December 30th for Ananobi's sake. He is on an expiring. There's a player option that he's definitely going to punt on next year. He was on an expiring contract because they got it done before December 30th deadline. He is now eligible for a four-year extension this summer where he can max out way more money than he would have been able to had it got to 2024 and uh, and things like that. So he will now opt out of that option, probably sign a four-year max with the Knicks. So this is not just a rental move for the Knicks. This is going to be a more long-term, he's part of the core, and it's because of the, the timing of this trade. Yeah, and I, and I think the, the agency affiliation, once I saw that, I thought, okay, I kind of softened on my harsh stance with uh, with it being so lopsided because I was thinking that the Knicks maybe were getting a guy that would just leave in the offseason. But clearly, we know who's who's uh, stroking the check here. Uh, and uh, they're going to make sure that OG and Anobi gets paid and all of that. By the way, well, Clutch, Clutch now a baseball agency too, as of a couple. Who are of they ago. repping in baseball? Uh, they they acquired the company that that has Rafael Devers and a couple of other oh, wow. monster infielders. So look, just get ready because that this whole process is coming to Major League Baseball, and could anything be more fun than that? You should just change these team names to the agency names so that we know what's going on. Sponsored by Clutch Sports, I love. <laughs> yeah, that. exactly. Let's get to our quick hits to wrap today's episode. We will start with everybody's favorite billionaire, David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, fined $300,000 for throwing a drink on a fan. That is a true story. Uh, if you haven't seen it, which I'm sure you have, go check out the video. I saw Darren Ravel tweet this out, that this is the equivalent of an average American being fined $1.77. Yeah. Uh, he's worth like $20 billion. So did the NFL do enough? It's a big number, you know, and I, I jokingly tweeted the same thing, right? You know, $300,000 sounds like a huge number until you realize that Forbes values this guy at 20.6 billion, right? That's those are all true. <clears throat> $300,000 is a lot of money for a, a singular act like this that is nasty and ridiculous and pettish and you know, petty and and blah blah blah, but we've seen a lot worse, right? And we've seen we've seen owners be fined about this amount for way worse things. So, this is certainly a statement I look at it this way, though. Why wasn't it three hundred thousand dollars, and you are suspended from the, for the rest of the season? Well, yeah. just just and add that season. to him. He doesn't want to show up week week eighteen anyway, right? No, he doesn't. He doesn't want to be there for this. He doesn't want to show his face in front of fans right now anyway. Just just build that in so that it looks a little bit more egregious in terms of the discipline, and and go from there. Now, there's probably some legalese right with CBA and things like that 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 stopped that from happening, and, and maybe something had to happen more egregiously to make a suspension worthy. But I, I think it, it should have been a significant fine. Plus, you have to miss week 18 and, and we go on with our lives from there. But this is ridiculous. This is just kind of exhibit what? G by David Tepper that he may yeah. not be the best guy in the world and we have to keep an eye on him. And uh, I know, by the way, his team stinks. So there's a, there's a hell of a lot of work to do outside of the fact that the owner might be a nightmare. Yeah, and he seems like he might be part of the reason the team yeah. stinks. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that that rises to the level of get the team away from this guy. No, but not yet. Would not you yet. just like to spell out how difficult that process is oh. for anybody making that claim? 
Well, we have seen it, you know, what, three times in, in the NBA and the NFL now over the past five seasons or so. It's been kind of prevalent, right? Ever since Donald Sterling. God, was that more than five seasons ago? Probably was. Um, oh, yeah. But it has sure. been. Yeah. But, like a decade ago. Yeah. It, it's it, it's happening. You, you know, we're in kind of a woke society now, and there's a lot of things that are coming up and a lot of things that are happening right now that shouldn't be happening still within these front offices. So I, I do think that, you know, he's one much more egregious move away from that conversation becoming very real because he has now had afflictions with coaches, with players, and now fans. It's kind of the trifecta, right? Like, (laughs) what else do we need to to put this guy at least on a watch list? So I'm not saying it's impossible that he has to sell the team. I'm saying it's possible that he might choose to sell the team at some point and soon. Get rid of this publicity, this bad publicity that he's brought upon himself, and make some money because it's the Carolina is terrible, but they're more, worth more than when he bought them. Let's put it that way; they're yeah. certainly worth more because of every other team in the league. So, at some point in time, he may just throw his hands up and get out of this thing because the the cool factor of owning a team is starting to shine off with David Pepper. Yeah, well, he didn't make twenty billion dollars by making bad financial decisions, so yeah. maybe that uh, is in the cards. Pro Bowl rosters have been revealed. Do you agree with the three quarterbacks chosen for both conferences? You've got Tua, Lamar, and Mahomes in the AFC. Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford in the NFC. Yeah, I'm not a big snub guy. Uh, if I can pivot on this quickly and make this a little bit more contractually relevant and go on my soapbox, because I do this every single year, the first week of January, and I will do it again since 2020. I've done this. It's ridiculous that this designation is tied to money. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not talking like, you know, an incentive here and there, right? There's, I, th- I think uh, a couple of players made seven or a thousand dollar incentives and things like that. I, I've yet to go through the full list. There are some some nice payday bonuses for players. What I'm talking about is this ridiculous fifth-year option incentive. Whereas if you make one Pro Bowl, you go into another tier. And if you make more than two, than one Pro Bowl in your first three years as a first-round pick, you now become franchise tag calculated worthy for your fifth-year option. So Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase have just locked in franchise tag values for their fifth-year option. Great. They're worth it. They're superstar players. But we're talking about some bona fide dollar bills being tied to this. Millions and millions of dollars being tied to the fact that... With a fan vote. Right. A fan vote for a game that, don't you think, in two years is never going to be played anymore? It's just going to become like... Well, now it's in my backyard, so I'm I'm no longer (laughs) anti-Pro Bowl. All right. Listen, Homer, it's not going to get played anymore. All right. Um, It's just... just, uh, Are they even playing it now? You know? No, exactly. Right. So it's this, it's this fictitious thing. It's this statement that gets posted on Twitter. I, I have a problem with it. I will always have a problem with it. It's a lot of work for me to update his calculations. So I'm a little bit bitter with the, with the process, but, <laughs> but you know, you NBA guy, there's significant money attached to all NBA status, right? In terms of the max contracts and the DVOA and things like that. I'm fine with that. The NFL has an all pro. Right, that yeah. is voted on by very smart people, and yes, they screw that up, but not really. It's kind of a really good end of the year platform. That's the one that people respect. Right? The most. Why isn't it tied to that? What are we? So you don't have any contracts global? that are tied to all pro status in there, the NFL. There are a few bonuses that are handed out. Very few bonuses that are handed out with that status. But this fifth year option should be attached to that. If you are an all pro in any of the first three years of your of your career, you should make significantly more money in your fifth year. I'm fine with that. 
but Pro Bowl is just garbage. And I'll say it every year, and I'm going to say it this time too. Well, I might find myself at that flag football game this year, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Jordan Love has an opportunity to clinch a playoff spot for the Packers with a win on Sunday against Chicago. What kind of financial incentive are we looking at with a win for Jordan Love? Yeah, he can basically double his his uh, his incentive. So he's got a max $9 million escalator for 2024 based on a whole bunch of things. Number one, he would have got a million dollars for a Pro Bowl selection. So he missed out on that one. Mm. Um, he's going to get his playing time stuff for sure. If he gets into the postseason, I believe it's another million dollars because of his stats plus his, his, his playing time get doubled. Um, and then if he starts winning games... He gets he gets a half a million for a wild card win. He gets a million dollars for a conference title win. He gets a million dollars for a Super Bowl win. So significant escalators. Now, here's the thing. I'm saying escalators on purpose a lot. It's not a bonus. It's an escalator. And escalators are not guaranteed. So if he adds $5 million of escalation to his 2024 contract, that's just a non-guaranteed base salary upgrade is all it is, right? So it really doesn't impact him from a, from a March standpoint and how they're going to treat this contract. However, let's say he adds a million dollars of escalators to 2024 by making the playoffs. He now makes that question. You and I have asked a bunch, a hell of a lot harder for that green Bay front office, which is what do we do now? All right. Are we really going to walk into 2024 with year two of Jordan love having him making $8 million, $9 million is, are we going to allow that to happen and take a ton of value in it? Or are we going to have to give this guy forty to forty-five million dollars a year this summer and bite the bullet of you know maybe one fifty guaranteed at signing and go from there? Because if he makes the postseason in year one without Aaron Rodgers and a year where they had a ton of injury, right? His wide receivers been banged up all year. The defense has been banged up all year. Their best cornerback got suspended for a coin toss, right? I mean, it's been been a lot of mess. But this is year one without Aaron Rodgers, and they may be back in the postseason because of Jordan Love. I think you have to pay that guy. So to me, it's a huge week for him from an escalator standpoint, but maybe a bigger week because it may ensure a monster extension this offseason. And Baker Mayfield is part of that mix too. Same conversation. Yeah, he can double his incentives. Um, And by the way, those are actual paid bonus incentives because he's on a one-year contract that started at four and a half million and probably gets up to closer to seven if they make the postseason. And I've already said it out loud in in an article on Spotrick.com. I think I think Baker has done enough, even without a playoff berth, to warrant a multi-year extension to stay in Tampa Bay and keep this ship going because that division is such a hot mess that any semblance of Baker plus the weapons they have, and yes, it means signing Mike Evans again, should be enough to compete for that division. And what else are you playing for? If if not, you know what I mean. If you're Tampa Bay, you're not you're not going to walk in with the best team in football. You know when when the San Francisco's and the Baltimore's and the Dallas's exist. But if you are competent enough to, to win your division or at least compete for it, why would you give up on it? You know, so I, I think Baker has done enough right now to warrant a multi-year extension. We'll cap it right there. That does it for today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast. If you like the content you hear on this channel, follow, rate, review, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. SpotTrack.com, your go-to for all the latest in the sports contract and transactional world. Till next time, and uh, go Dolphins, right, oh. Mike? Ugly. Ha, <laughs> ha,